0: You are listening to the TF Cast, a mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. This TF Cast was recorded October 28th of 2020. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TF Cast. Today we have with
1: us Laura Schultz, host of the podcast Starting to Feel Better and Musician. Laura, would you introduce yourself to us a little bit?
2: Yeah, for sure. I am happy to. My name is Laura Schultz. I work at the university as the director of the Violence Awareness and Response Program. I host a podcast called Starting to Feel Better. I just started that in like April. I think the first episode came out. Um, I'm a musician. I play guitar and write songs and sing them uh, with a band called Goodnight Gold Dust from here in Mankato. And then a new project that uh, I started and was really, really loving, but unfortunately we had to take a break with everything that's going on. Um, that was called given names. And then, oh, I'm a therapist too.
1: <laughs> well, let's address them all in <laughs> yes, order. I, shall we? Let's, uh, let's start with the music. Cause I feel like we can just go right through that. Um, uh, just give us a little update about what's been going on. Given Names is on a hiatus.
2: Yeah, I mean, just sort of forced. It's not anything that we are uh, taking a break from on purpose. It's it's just as a result of COVID and everything like that. Um, so I've been writing a bunch of music still and kind of figuring out where each of those songs is going to fit, whether that's with Gold Dust or whether that's with Given Names. But I'm definitely looking forward to getting back uh, with... Michelle and Megan to play some songs and perform. It was such, I just loved it so much. I loved that group so much. What had
1: the band been doing? Um, like playing out writing or?
2: Yeah, mostly, um, we had two shows. That was it. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had practiced, uh, we had three shows. I am hearing off camera (laughs) that we had three shows. Uh, but, (sighs) We had stuff kind of in the works to keep going, and then we had to take that break. So it was mostly just practicing for the shows, uh, learning a couple more songs. We were just in the middle of learning a couple more songs. Mm -hmm. And one of them was actually the Owls that I recorded here with y'all. But I play piano on that one with the group. And then we had been talking about recording an EP and getting some stuff together that way, too.
1: But yeah, I saw some of the, the video that had come out on the, I think it was the public access channel or yeah. something like that. And I, I think I had the opportunity to be at one of those shows. Was it, it was someone's birthday. Was it your birthday? It was my birthday. Okay. Yeah. It was at the wine cafe. <laughs> it, it was really cool. I, I like the vibe too. Um, yeah, super is cool. anything else going on on that front? Um, Gold Dust or any band updates you want to tell people about?
2: Yeah. Um, Gold Dust is still doing stuff. We're recording. I mean, luckily, Colin and I live together and we are married. So we're able to get together and write songs pretty often. It's not too difficult for us to do that. Um, We've done a few recordings during quarantine, during COVID-19, all this stuff. But we've played a few shows as a full band with Gold Dust, but not that many. We're only doing outdoor shows right now. We just did one at the Wine Cafe that was super fun. It was a blast. It felt really joyful and Incredible to be able to play. I mean, this is such a big part of who I am and who I've been for as long as I can remember having that performance built in to like my mental health Mm -hmm. is so important. And I know the first time that I knew that it was important to my mental health was when I moved here, actually, for graduate school. And uh, I stopped playing music because I was in this graduate program that was really, really difficult. It was the gender and women's studies program. And I was like learning this advanced feminist theory and just like treading water. And I thought I have to stop writing and playing music and performing music because I just don't have the space for it mentally. And then I became incredibly anxious. And I realized Mm. that that was such a balance for me. Um, Having music, having performance was such a way to um, help me cope with the stressors of everyday life. And I am experiencing that again now where we don't get to play as often. And I feel it in my body Mm -hmm. that I'm not able to.
1: What caused you to come to that realization? Did you have to like, you know, come to different ideas first or was it apparent?
2: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think it, took me probably a few days of being like, why am I so scared and nervous all the time? And then just sort of doing the mental math of like, okay, well this has changed. Yeah. School's hard, but I've been in school before. Um, I moved here. I didn't know anybody. I, uh, nobody, I didn't know anybody at all in Mankato. And that was stressful and kind of, you know, anxiety producing, but it felt out of, uh, it didn't feel in line with how anxious I was. So yeah, it just kind of, uh, I returned to writing songs and I was like, Oh dang, I feel better.
0: I Mm. feel a lot better. Mm. I, I'm sure that's something a lot of our uh, fellow musicians are going through right now with the pandemic and all that. Um, but you're saying you noticed this before that with, with your busy school year. Yeah. How have you been, uh, coping with that kind of, um, ish pro, uh, feelings during this pandemic.
2: Yeah, sometimes I mean it's always evolving, right? So sometimes I'm doing a great job with like daily mindfulness meditation and getting out for a walk or a run. <laughs> it's mostly a walk these days, and um, you know, writing music or being creative in some way. Like I know that these things are a huge benefit to me and my mental health, but I don't always do a great job with it. I don't know if you all have ever had this experience, but like you're doing really well with something because you're doing all those things, right? Because you're taking out the time to exercise or read or you know um, meditate or whatever it is that is a benefit for you. And then because you're feeling better, you stop doing the things that are making Mm. you feel better. I do that all the time and I know better. But um, yeah, so I've been coping uh, well sometimes and other times uh, letting myself freak out and then refigure out how to cope. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: I've seen a good number of live performances on social media too, uh, just yeah. like guitar and vocal stuff. Is that kind of like a Band-Aid or?
2: Yeah, yeah I think, when I know that if I give myself structure, that's a huge benefit for me too. So if I say every day I'm going to record a song and release it, uh, then I'm giving myself that time that is structured and that helps.
1: Does that, how does that stage feel in, in like you did a lot of quarantine too. Is that what you call them? Quarantine? Yeah.
2: Songs from quarantine. I think.
1: Yeah. There was like a big explosion of people live streaming, but I, you've been doing it for like, I've seen it ongoing. Did what, how does that feel stepping onto the digital stage versus the um, regular stage?
2: Yeah, it's totally different. I would say it feels totally different to me. I mean, I, I edit the videos before I release them. Uh, that's totally different. You know, when you're playing a live show, you just get what you get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I also am doing covers. It's just one song. Yeah. And you don't get any feedback. I think that's one of the biggest deals is you don't Mm -hmm. get that feeling of people were into that. They weren't into it. Uh, Yeah. They want this thing instead, or it feels like I should move on to this kind of a song or whatever. But
0: with all the differences of digital, was it an effective way to keep that energy going and uh, keep, keep those goals moving?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it was the best I could do you know? And we did a few, like you're saying, we did a few live streams. But I don't know. I liked being able to curate it a little bit more. That felt good to me. There's so little we have control over right now. And so if I can control how this video looks and which song I'm going to sing, and if I like learn a song and that doesn't go great, I'm going to pivot and learn a different song. And that's what I release. Like, I, I think leaning into the things that we can control for me has been helpful right now.
1: Yeah, I feel that. And simultaneously, uh, well, not simultaneously. previously to all this coronavirus stuff, you started this new, um, podcast, um, good timing <laughs> <laughs> given yeah. the, given the, the subject matter. Um, for for those who haven't heard any of it, would you just introduce the concept of the podcast a little bit?
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it actually um it came out of a kind of a work assignment where we were all sent home because of uh COVID and working from home and we got this email like, Hey, y'all should consider some virtual programming and one of the bullet points was podcast and I was like, I that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> it's more. It's work also. It's definitely work, as you all know. Um, but I, the podcast was kind of the continuation of some programming that I was doing on campus through the Violence Awareness and Response Program, and that was focusing on creativity and trauma, really looking at creative arts therapies. So on campus, I was looking at, my sister is an art therapist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she's like, you know, one of my great heroes in my life. So I think I'm always just kind of like, Katie, what are you doing? Can I be a part of that? <laughs> so she, um, she's, she's on the podcast uh, talking about art therapy and why that can be especially beneficial for folks who have survived or experienced trauma. So that's kind of where the podcast started, was in this place of talking to folks who have used creativity or the creative arts as practitioners with individuals who have survived or experienced trauma. But it has expanded out, I think, in a really natural way to folks who are creatives and talking with them about how um, creativity kind of to go back to what we were saying earlier, how creativity can help bolster their mental health. Right. So maybe not explicitly traumatic experiences, but simply how how does creativity Uh, help me in my everyday life uh, to feel more balanced or grounded or connected. So the podcast is in its second season, all kinds of really great folks from, you know, educators to activists, to therapists, uh, to musicians and writers. And um, it's, as you know, too, like these are conversations that maybe we wouldn't have. These are questions we maybe wouldn't ask each other typically. And mm-hmm. so to make space for some of these deeper conversations right now, I think feels really good too. Mm. connection is really, uh, a little bit rarer right now. So I think when we can connect to really dig into it feels kind of delicious to me.
0: Yeah. I, I like that too, about the podcasting and, and being able to focus a conversation on something that's Um, Yeah. Like you said, you just wouldn't really talk about, Mm -hmm. can you, um, so the format of your podcast, it typically you'll be speaking with a guest and asking them about their experiences and some of their stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think you, do you contextualize it with some of, um, your, your field of research at all, or is it just a conversation?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's kind of a structure that I follow, which is like introducing the work, how did you get where you are, uh, and then moving into some of the specifics of the work. So like the podcast episode that's going to be coming out next is about um, trauma-informed cognitive behavioral therapy. So Mm. the guest talks a bit about this modality, and then we move into kind of how have you seen creativity benefit you, in your own life? Why do you think that this modality works really well for individuals who have survived or experienced trauma? And then what are you doing right now to remain connected and grounded during this time? Uh, so that's kind of the general structure, but it Mm. deviates, of course, depending upon the person and, uh, the sentence that they said that really excited me or, you know,
0: I'm always, I'm always fascinated by the way that people foster their own creativity and like practice that. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering whether you have any uh, thoughts or insights from conversations in your own personal life about how um, someone can practice creativity and make sure that that's a part of their life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think really expanding what we think of as creativity. And one of the major takeaways for me from the podcast is focusing on process instead of product. So really digging into just the the the, the experience, the physical um, moment of sitting down to write, not thinking about what is this going to be, uh, how is this person going to like it, uh, am I going to submit this. Uh, you know, to to an online journal or whatever, like not thinking about that, but just the moment of the experience of kind of allowing ourselves to get into this space where maybe other things go away. And maybe that's playing with like Play-Doh or clay. Maybe it's uh, singing, maybe it's dancing, maybe it's some other sort of movement. But I think yeah, kind of to your point. Fostering creativity begins with recognizing that creativity doesn't necessarily need to be, a, yeah, a song that you're releasing to be on a Toyota ad or something. Right, like it can just be a fun little thing you do.
1: Or otherwise a chore. I saw that yeah. a lot during quarantine. It's like, what are you doing right now with your free time? And it's like, that is not like, yeah. I have never been less productive
2: <laughs> than right now. And
1: I do not feel bad.
2: Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's enough pressure for so many other things. And for the thing that maybe gives us the most joy in our lives, why would we saddle ourselves with the sort of heaviness of productivity mm. when everything's already so heavy.
1: Yeah. I, I think we did, we did see a lot of that with staying at home to some of these systems that folks don't always question, like, you know, going into the office or the, mm-hmm. this kind of like hustle mentality that mm-hmm. you should just always be doing something like people slowed down and uh, like to a large degree, I think some of the same amounts of work got done. Yeah. And uh, I, I wonder when they have to go back to the office, if the attitude is going to be
0: so so good. I
2: know. I know it's going to feel weird.
0: Well, I back to the creativity and stuff. Like one of the ways that I feel like I've experienced that that's related, but different is even just cooking. It's like a task that focuses your attention and there's like a little bit of skill involved or at least like some element of timeliness and, um, it, getting back into cooking a little bit helped me figure out some creative things. Um, yeah. Because sometimes like the alternative would be focus super heavily on the whatever your creative project might be. And that can just be Mm -hmm. overwhelming or the wrong, the wrong way of handling it too Mm -hmm. sometimes.
2: Yeah. And you're making me think about how like we can just, we can think creatively about anything. Mm. Um, and one way I like to think about that is being curious about things just a little bit more, um, turning things on their side and getting curious about them in different ways. Uh, Mm. creativity we can, we can use in a whole manner. Um, a whole manner of styles. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah. The mm-hmm. creative arts.
1: I think people, I think a lot of people kind of do themselves a disservice in that way by thinking like, this is, this is creativity or mm-hmm. this is art. And then they, they set, they, they put it into a category and yeah. it, it, it harmed. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to, I'm sure you could actually explain that better because you know what I'm saying, right?
2: Yeah.
3: Where
1: they, kind of make it into this task that's supposed to be done in this certain kind of way Mm -hmm. and they're probably doing just fine
2: yeah yeah there's so much Mm self-judgment and sometimes that comes externally um gosh I think it's like Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle or somebody who talks about creativity, um, like wounds that we might have experienced in our childhood. So I think about when I was a kid, I had an art class and an art teacher told me I wasn't good at drawing. And I've carried that through adulthood. Like, I'm just not good at drawing. Because one person once when I was like, I don't know, maybe talking back in art class told me that I was bad at it. So that self-judgment can be stories that we've been telling ourselves that maybe somebody put there, but maybe we created too or blew up. Uh, So I think also sometimes we do have to do some unlearning. I mean, that's a big part of our lives, right? Is unlearning Mm -hmm. um, false Mm -hmm. messages.
1: I've heard a lot of similar stories of people talking about their art class experiences or like, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't do well in that. And these are otherwise extremely creative people. You see them put together projects or organize things or, you know, do some of those, uh, not so frequently considered to be creative tasks, but they do them all the time. And they, they do, they carry that with them for a long time. I mean, even the process of like, Going through and grading art in grade school and mm-hmm. high school, I kind of question if that's like a really great idea right um, yeah i I don't have yeah. anywhere to go with that I mean, <laughs> maybe you have some idea
0: of <laughs> mm-hmm. um well, it's curious as to the purpose of that, like are you trying mm-hmm. to teach someone to be good at i don't know oh, yeah, i've have had good and bad art teachers, so mm-hmm. i think I think there's like some totally. understanding there with the purpose of it and like why you're learning these things and why you're Mm -hmm. doing something a certain way.
2: Yeah. I think it comes back to that concept of productivity. Uh, Mm. It comes back to that feeling of like, we only create something in order to sell it or show it or, you know, for it to be a part of the hustle mentality instead of like we create things because there's joy in it and there's beauty in it and there's connection in it. Uh, So singing is a great example too. Like I have one of the guests on the podcast is involved in community singing and she kind of talks about how singing can be so central to who we are and so connecting, but we often think of it as only reserved for people who are in choirs, learning sheet music, um, conducted. So yeah, I think that, uh, the more we can break down that concept of art or creativity is only to be used for capitalism. (laughs) The more Mm -hmm. we can break that down.
0: Singing especially is one I wonder about like how many people are, are, to tell themselves that they're not a good singer yeah. and just refuse to sing in yeah. any kind of public or even to themselves because they they don't think they're good. Right. And there's probably a lot of beautiful voices just kind of fading away.
2: Yeah.
1: And mm. uh, I I've <laughs> the karaoke conversation. Sure. So the the kind of person I'll, I would never do karaoke, and it's like it's karaoke. It's like inherently
0: embarrassing. Let's just go. It'll be fun. <laughs> I promise. Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So how did you get started singing?
2: Um, my, sorry, I was just like, how early do I start? My, <laughs> um, my grandmother, <laughs> uh, really fostered a love of music, uh, playing piano. I was in violin lessons. I did not show an aptitude for violin as a mm. child, so I didn't stick with that. But um, we were all in piano lessons. My brother and sister and I were all in piano lessons. And then I was in a little choir as a kid um, at the Warsaw Conservatory of Music. And then my grandmother paid for voice lessons for me all the way up through uh, college. So it was something also, that's my mom's side. Um, My grandfather on my dad's side is a Lutheran minister. So we would sing in services a lot. And he has an incredibly beautiful, bell-clear tenor, as does my father and his brothers. And uh, when they would all sing together, I was a little kid sitting in the pews of the Lutheran Church. My grandfather's up there on the altar, and he's singing. And my uncles and my dad are singing around me, making up their own harmonies to, like, how great they were. You know, like, those Lutheran hymns are... Um, no shade but like they're, they're not that exciting Yeah, I've no, so, i I'm, I'm saying my fair
1: share sure
2: so um, so they would add in these harmonies and that was around me all the time as a kid and it was so beautiful and there was also this kind of sense of oh you can just do that like you can just make up a different part of the song and uh, that was I would say my introduction to music was probably through the church. My mom's Catholic, my dad's Lutheran. And, um, we just heard a lot of, a lot of singing at church and I would make up songs Mm -hmm. like religious songs on the piano. It was like a server and stuff like that. So it was a lot of, a lot of churchy stuff going on. Then, um, since stepped back from the church, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I'd say that was the, the primary road in for me. And then, Uh, I did love choral singing throughout my childhood and um, was in a bunch of plays and stuff like that and sang in those plays and musical theater. Mm. It's all the kind of like nerdy stuff that you're not supposed to say that you like, but I loved it. I loved it. I feel like there's nothing. Mm. It's one of my very favorite things in the whole world to be in a choir and to be surrounded by other people who are singing Mm. different parts. It is transcendent to me i love it so much
0: there's something special about that i I wouldn't know how to describe it but yeah that is interesting i did a little bit of choir but not much didn't carry with me very much
2: what part did you sing
0: um no clue okay (laughs) (laughs) a couple of songs like the low part like the Uh, lowest part a little lower Mm -hmm. i don't even know where i'd fit in it but (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's it. we're doing a choir yeah, we want to lead us it. in something oh right my, now. Eh, yeah. Oh wait, this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Never mind. No. <laughs> I would. I would be
1: into like the get the community together to sing thing. I mm. think that's a kick-ass idea.
3: Love
1: that. Um, I, like, I don't even know when you would do that apart from like religious stuff or caroling. Like caroling mm. is a thing, but caroling is also a thing.
2: It is a thing. Yes, um, it is a thing. There have been these, um, like, in the cities and stuff, they do like brewery sings I don't know there's a better name for it marketing folks mm-hmm. will will come up with but where you would get together and maybe over the course of four weeks or something all learn a song together and sing it at the brewery what well, that's that sounds fun. That amazing sort
1: of fun. yeah for many years there was on Tuesdays there was this like group of uh, older gentlemen who would go to the wine cafe and sing and I mm-hmm. I would I would I would go in there to watch Chopped, but like they would often <laughs> still be there when I got there, and it was it was nice. Yeah, you
2: was know? it the Sweet Adelines? Says, no, those were women. River Benders, Blenders,
1: River
0: Blenders. <laughs> <laughs> <Was> that right? <laughs> okay. Ooh, <I> don't <laughs> that's know. interesting. Well, yeah, they were, they had a books like super you know, cool yeah. with their songbooks or yeah, yeah. Huh.
3: interesting. I
2: did love that. My grandfather was in a group like that too. Mm. Uh, He, he, yeah, there were these like Lutheran Church Extension Fund uh, conferences that he would perform at. And there was one time he was wearing a yellow suit and he had a small piece of uh, thread hanging out of this yellow suit. And we're sitting in the like Radisson, whatever, conference room. Right. And he's about to go up. And I was like, Grandpa, no, you have something sticking out of your jacket. And so I started pulling it and he's like, no, stop it, stop it. It was like part of the joke that they were going to do. It's like pull a thread out of his jacket, but it was was like a
1: single, it was like
2: a, a it was like yarn. Oh yeah. Like a big old hunk of yarn. I I was just trying to help. It was a very earnest (laughs) child.
0: There's a, there's a lot of things and I think they, um, There's a lot of things within uh, churches and religious practices that uh, relate to, um, I I think, even a little bit of like trauma and coping with Mm -hmm. difficult times, but singing. And uh, there's a lot of things that if you remove yourself from that, typically you lose it. And Mm -hmm. um, as someone who hasn't been a part of that, Mm -hmm. there aren't very many... I don't know. It's like there's not very many good ways to get that without Mm -hmm. being involved in a religious institution. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if through your work and through the evolution of your um, your practices and that Mm -hmm. you see any kind of a future for non-religious like community um, healing, Mm -hmm. processing, difficult emotions Mm -hmm. like birth, death. Mm-hmm. and giving people an opportunity to sing. That was a lot, but...
2: Yeah, it makes me think about, so at MSU, a couple of times we've done a choir through the Violence Awareness and Response Program mm-hmm. um, where we learned, the first song that we learned was by um, M-I-L-C-K was what she went by. Um, and it was all acapella and she wrote this beautiful, beautiful song about, um, about healing from sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, like I think it was like five parts, maybe it was, I think it was more than that. And I cut it down to be like five part and we had maybe four or five people on each part. Um, at MSU. And I would, over my lunch break or different times in the day, I would, I would meet with the altos and then I would meet with the sopranos and I would meet with everybody, uh, to learn their parts. And then we performed it at take back the night. And then we did another song, um, uh, just a couple years ago. That was a Kesha song, that praying song, um, which is also about sexual healing from sexual assault. And that was a really terrific way that, um, Jessica Flatico passed away, but she was my boss, and she was always in the choirs too. And she so encouraged me to bring that creativity to the work, even when perhaps it's not the first thing that we might think of Mm. for like the director of the Violence and Response Program to spend whatever, uh, five hours a week doing. But that was one of my favorite um, professional experiences was being able to bring choral music to the community and to folks who maybe themselves were victims and survivors or who were allies with victims and survivors of sexual assault and intimate partner violence. So I think there are ways, absolutely, that we just have to kind of make them, you know, like mm. in maybe like Madison, which is where my friend Bridget is from, who talks about the community singing and like there's a pretty robust, um community of, of community singers in Minneapolis, St. Paul area too. But it would just be kind of about making it here, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, making it on a smaller scale or, you know, mm-hmm. um, pulling folks together.
0: It reminds me of, uh, ecstatic dance too, being sort of a community thing that you can participate in, enjoy, just yeah. free move, feel the flow and. Totally. Um, be active with other people
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: sort of neat.
2: Definitely. And there's so much healing that can take place Mm. in movement or somatic experiencing. There's so much that we can kind of process and work through. Mm. Um, But I do think that there's often a barrier, um, sort of an anxiety, a a barrier of I'm not good at this. I can't do this. So the Mm -hmm. more of it we see, maybe the more comfortable we feel, um, joining in or being a part of it,
1: Or, or the more people feel, you know, invited. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, one of the things I think holds churches together in a big way, I mean, obviously is, is faith and donation. Mm-hmm. Um, so these people are coming together all the time and they're, they're eating together and singing together and doing all these things. So a lot of those community resources do exist outside of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. but they're just not all together doing the same thing all the time as a family and like that is a really big benefit, um, for those things is that community that gets built there. And I don't, I don't know if there's actually a a great answer. Like I've always thought it'd be very interesting to have like a community resource, um, some kind of gathering that happened regularly where people just got together, not with very much purpose, but to just, exist kind of gather Mm -hmm. um because i don't know oftentimes you don't know what's going to help you until you're around it i mean
2: yeah 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 i'm just thinking about the additional barrier right now of like gatherings yeah and how maybe this is part of the reason that we're having this conversation is that we're hungrier for it and we recognize now Mm. what it is that we're hungry for this is the time to do the planning i suppose
1: yeah. You can see people act out about it. I mean, just working in the service industry, you can, you can see people like testing the limits of, you know, like what it is. And I, I think that they're rebelling against the wrong thing. You know, they like push the mask thing a little bit, you know, like, you know, there's like no one in a room and they're moving through it and they're like rebelling a little bit. And it's just like, like, I see what you want, but I don't think this is the way to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it, it is it is frustrating, you know. I think people just wanna exist normally without a conversation that is yeah. needlessly political. Yeah. <laughs> like caring about people. Totally. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think any anti maskers made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well maybe coming out of this we can develop some sort of future thinking community yeah. engagement. Absolutely. Uh, ways of being be interesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, did we we covered the podcast? We covered your bands. Um, we talked a little bit about the songs you played for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about the? I know there there were two. There was a new one. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, back <laughs> from all that, I want to I want to hear a little bit about your writing process for oh, music. Okay. And then I think that ties in with the first one a little bit or something. Mm -hmm, I'll just let you go for it. But uh, writing process and um, an everyday kind of challenge that I know you and Colin had going on.
2: Yeah. So the way that I typically, I write songs um, is I will sit down and write a full page or two pages of just kind of free thought. Whatever comes up. And I try really hard, we kind of touched on this earlier, not to judge any lines that I'm about to write, because I know I'm not going to use all of them. So just like write through that thing that you think is dumb to get to the next part, because you, if you keep going, it, it'll keep happening. I don't know. Uh, so I write those two full pages. And this is really something that I used to do when I was like 15 years old with my friend Laura McDonald. Uh, she and I would would write pages and pages and then circle the things that we liked that we thought were cool and then that would become a poem. Mm. And that's kind of what I do, but the things that I circle become uh, song lyrics. So the first song that I played today um, uh, is this Sitting Empty. And that was definitely how that song came about um, was just kind of writing stuff down, circling lines, I do think for me, for some people, it's different. But for me, the songwriting that I find myself most drawn to personally is writing um, songs that kind of convey an emotional state rather than songs that are a narrative. You know, like this person goes here and does this, and then here's the mm-hmm. chorus. That's some bigger truth. I try to just write songs that... Um, make me feel a certain way. And then hopefully they'll make other people feel a similar way. So yeah, that song, um, was kind of out of necessity too, cause the program that I was recording in just kept crashing over and over again. Mm. And so I had a song like done and it, it just like wouldn't let me post it. So I just did an all, um, acapella version of the song, out of desperation, <laughs> mm. and then uh, it turned out okay. So I learned it for today to perform. Um, but yeah, overall, the songs that I write are are really just kind of uh, free writes that I turn into songs.
3: Mm.
0: And do you? What instrument do you typically uh, do the do the working with at, yeah. in the beginning?
2: Yeah, so I'll write the lyrics and then I'll bring in a guitar and find um, a chord progression that makes sense. Sometimes after writing the words, I will have a melody in mind and then I'll have to like make the guitar chords fit. But most often it's more about the rhythm of the words and I can make that fit uh, in any chord progression Hmm. sometimes I'll move it to like piano or something like that but usually it's for me it's just guitar
0: how many songs do you think you've written in Uh, the last time limit or ever maybe both last (laughs) year and then ever
2: okay the amount of songs that I think that I've written in the last year I would say is probably like 25 it's kind of a lot that's cool and then ever uh 770 i
3: don't know i don't know there
2: are a lot of songs that are bad that i've written that just like never never ever saw the light of day they are songs that i have not liked
3: Mm.
2: i won't say they're objectively bad my mom probably likes them a lot (laughs) but uh but they're not necessarily songs that i would want to perform out uh the first song i ever wrote was with my friend Laura McDonald, and it was about our history teacher, Mr. Schneider. So Mm. that's like not in regular rotation
0: at Dust Shows.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it is a song that I did write. So it counts.
1: Have you ever gotten one of your lesser works stuck in your head? Like no one's heard it but you, and it's a plague.
2: (laughs) Probably. Oh, I'm sure. As soon as I finish any song, that song is going to be stuck in my head, at least for the rest of the day.
1: Mm. Yeah. Another thing I was kind of curious from um, how you were talking about the process of writing. uh, Do you have like a cadence to how you write physically? Um, Because I don't know, just how you described it that way. Yeah. Um,
2: So I'll write sometimes, like I'll write the whole page um, in a rhythm. You know, like every line will, will be kind of rhyming or... Uh, The syllables will match up in a certain way that like that or whatever, right? And then uh, then I screw that all up because I just select some of the words and then I make a new uh, uh, rhythm with it. So sometimes, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's also much easier to write than other times. Like, oh gosh, I think it was uh, Lydia Berry, Linda Berry. Linda um she is a as an author and an illustrator and she came to campus uh for one of the good thunder writing series uh and she talked about how if you get stuck writing just like draw circles so that your pen is still moving and your brain is still working a little bit hmm. so sometimes I'll do that um if I'm just hmm. like cannot get anything out but my i always finish those two pages i always fill up two pages otherwise uh, i feel like i'm kind of shooting myself in the foot you know i'm not giving myself as many things to choose from
0: do you find that the the spark of creativity and inspiration is kind of fleeting or are you able to kind of hold on to that totally
2: right? i think it's totally fleeting and okay. i think it's a oh, almost a myth because yeah. i think i have to create it i have to mm. I, I can manufacture it and i think once i realized that I can manufacture it, that I can just set up the room in such a way and bring in this notebook and light this candle or whatever it is, you know, put a little spell. Um, I can create, mm. uh, we always, we can always create. It's just about maybe if we're feeling depleted or, you know, um, kind of bummed out or whatever it is and we're just not able to, or it doesn't feel good, but I used to wait for that creativity. Mm. spark to come because it does. But it for me, it's not that often. It would be like every, I don't know, two or three months I would write a song. And while that's fine, it depends on what you're going for. I was really wanting to to do more and to have more to choose from. And that's what all these songs, I think every song, maybe except for California that I did, came out of like sitting down doing, giving myself two hours to write a song, to get it written, to get it recorded and shared out. Um, otherwise, like I just said about myself, like some of the songs are bad. I wouldn't share, I wouldn't have shared uh, Sitting Empty, that first song, because it was such a, it was, I was so frustrated. <laughs> it wasn't about like, I think this is good. It was like, just need to make something So I think creating, again, that structure for myself and sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to be creative right now. Mm. Whatever comes of it is what comes of it.
0: I like that.
1: There was something around when you, I remember, I think the reason that I was introduced to that song is because you had some frustration on social media where (sighs) you you were like announcing, like I'm putting out more songs and um, I don't don't remember what it was, but there was some like post directing people to go over there. um, And that's how I ended up seeing it. I was just like, like there's a great rainy day
2: song. It might have been raining
1: that day. <laughs> yeah. Did it for me.
2: I orchestrated that.
0: <laughs> it was the spell.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, I think we're going to begin to wrap it up there.
1: You got yeah. any other questions? I don't have any
0: specific questions. I, I mean, you did say
1: one thing that mm-hmm. was, um, you said uh, the, the obvious exception being California. Um, oh, Maybe obvious to you.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. Did I say obvious? Yeah, it was, uh, that one wasn't, I just wrote it so long ago. It was still in that time where I was only writing songs when I felt inspired. Oh. So I was sitting at our old apartment um, and I was inspired to write that song. So I wrote it all in one go, which is how I usually write songs is all in one go. I don't do a lot of editing because I think... Once I start editing, then I second guess everything. Mm. There have been lines where like Colin will come in and be like, "Um, what if we tried this instead with this one little part?" Uh, specifically, there's a line in Broken Wing that like didn't I didn't realize how little sense it made until he suggested something that made sense and I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." <laughs> That's about a bird <laughs> and this song's about a bird, <laughs> and mine was like about snow or something. So, uh But yeah, so that one, I was still in the headspace of only write songs when the song calls to you. Mm. Mm. But Mm. now I say there's a well, you know, it's not going to dry up.
0: Yeah. It's important for people to understand that you can, you can create the environment for you to be successful rather than like just wait for it to show up.
2: Right. For me, that's, that's been a real turning point.
0: That's awesome. Well, it's great to hear about your podcast. We wish you the best with it. And we're excited for all the music to come. Yeah. Where can people find it if people are looking for your projects?
2: For sure, yeah. So the podcast is on uh, like Anchor and Spotify and those kinds of places. And then uh, music is um, all over the place. Uh, I, I Given Names isn't really, we don't have anything yet because like I said, we had three shows and we're still kind of figuring out what we're going to share. Um, but we do have a video that we recorded uh, with New Ulm Public Access. And so you can find it at New Cat on their um, YouTube page. And Goodnight Gold Dust, we've got goodnightgolddust.com and Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that.
0: Right on mm. the name of your podcast again is It's
2: called Starting to Feel Better.
0: Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Till till next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes for this in every episode at triplefalls.org. <laughs>